I want you to turn to 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 11. Can I also give a shout out? Didn't our worship team do an amazing job as always? Appreciate you guys. Woo! Awesome. 1 Peter chapter 4, prior to Father's Day message, which we hit last Sunday, which I encourage all you men that weren't here, uh, take a listen to our Father's Day message. It was a strong word of encouragement for our men to be strong in the Lord. Um, but we were in 1 Peter chapter 4, and we were in verse 10. I want to read this together with you. It says, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. And then he challenges us to take this amazing grace gift, which he's personally given to us, uh, and he says, use it or steward it well, meaning we can't sit on it, we can't let it fall into disrepair, disuse. We need to steward these gifts, use these gifts to serve other people. The whole object and focus of our gift is to be directed to bless people, which means you need to be connected with people, which means you need to be part of a good local church. Notice verse, um, uh, verse 11, do you have the gift of speaking? This, excuse me, speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. And here's the big grand end all, all right? Then everything you do, everything you do, will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. And then Peter says, all glory and power to him forever and ever. He, he ends this whole little section with just a, a, a moment of praise and worship and celebration for who God is. I told you last time we were together that the thing I love about this particular passage is it helps us kind of put a package around gifts. We could talk about all kinds of spiritual gifts. And the hard part is, how do you, how do you address this, this topic? What I like about this verse in, in Peter is that he gives us a fork in the road that's a real simple fork, maybe too simple uh, to put every gift in there, but it's a good fork in the road. Some of you are primarily wired uh, to speak. That doesn't mean necessarily on stage. It just means you're, you're a communicator. You're, you're verbal. Um, you're, you, you speak well. You speak, you know, you're gifted verbally, all right? You're a good communicator. Um, others of you are better with your hands. You just love to serve. You don't want the stage. You don't want a microphone. You don't want to have to talk. Just put you somewhere where you can just serve people and you come alive. And there's lots of different ways those service gifts get expressed. In fact, today we're going to talk about four speaking gifts. And then next Sunday we're going to talk about four serving gifts, all right? And, what, and my goal in all this is that you begin to understand who you are, how God has wired you, so that you can use who you are to serve people and to bring God glory. Now, let me say this parenthetically. You know, since we started this series, I've been getting a lot of feedback from people, and people will shoot me an email or a text message or instant message, whatever the situation. And generally, this is, the, this is the genre, all right? It's like, you know, Pastor, I feel like I don't really know who I am. I feel like I'm called to do this, but I've never really got traction. And, and um, you know, something like that, you know? And so this is what I would say to all of you, because a lot of us are in a similar situation. Number one is stay connected and sit under the teaching of God's Word, because guess what we're talking about for the next six weeks? Gifts. So we're going to talk about a lot of things if you'll be patient. But let me just say this. Sometimes the very people that are emailing me, they're not here right now. So this is what I would say to some of you. The reason you've not discovered who you are and what God's called you to do is because you won't get rooted. You don't get plugged in. You just, you just keep fluttering around like a butterfly trying to discover yourself. Stop it. That's not how it works. How many of you know you need a couple of things? That, you need the Lord to help define you, and you need people to affirm you. And you need people for a reality check.
So some of you are speaking gifts. Some of you are serving gifts. Now, let me just share this as a prelude for today. Somebody gave me this gift. Some of you are going, I hope you're not going to use that this morning. Ah, scream at us. No, I'm not. This gift came when I had our leadership meeting, and I shared with them a prophetic word that Marion and I received. Now, we're going to talk about the gift of prophecy, or, or, or some of you that are perceivers, all right? We're going to talk about that gift in just a moment. But we were at a meeting in our network of, of churches, and a man who was moving in a strong prophetic gift, who was ministering at that session, called Marion and I out. He didn't know us from Adam, all right? Didn't have any history of us, didn't know who we were, didn't know where we pastored, didn't know if we pastored, all right? But that doesn't matter when you're prophetic, all right? Because you're getting your information from the Lord, and you're getting it from the Holy Spirit. So he had us stand up, and he said, this is what I see over you. And he gave some details about things, but he said, I see um, megaphones all around you. And he says, um, I see you taking those megaphones and distributing them to people. And what he was saying was, at Living Stones, this, this is what we took as, as an interpretation, this church will be a mouthpiece for the Lord in our culture and in the nations of the world. That there are many people with a gift of speaking, communicating a voice, a message that's coming out of this house, and that we were grabbing these, these megaphones and handing them to people. You hear what I say? So today we're talking about speaking, so you know, I'm looking at Lynn Reynolds. Lynn, Lynn has been a voice for righteousness and a voice for the unborn in this area. He is a mouthpiece. Uh, you, get a, you get a megaphone. You get the anointing on this house, but I want to show you something else. Does anybody know what that is? I'm not expecting you to read it, but you know what that is? That yellow piece of paper, what's that called? A sticky note. Do you know what encouragers do with sticky notes? They write things on them. I'm going to talk about the gift of exhortation. Thank God for people with the gift of exhortation. Because as soon as, check this out, as soon as Mary and I shared this word with our leadership team, this family went out and found one of these. Now, you don't get these at Walmart or something. You've got to look hard for one of these. You know what I'm saying? They don't sell them at the local gas station or whatever. And, and the very next day, they brought this in, and this is what the note says. We believe God, and we believe in you. Amen. Yes. So, when you come into my office, do you know what, where you will find this? You will find this up on my shelf sticky note facing me because it reminds me of a couple things this place is going to be giving out megaphones i'm a megaphone you're a megaphone and it also reminds me that if whatever the calling is on your life you need people who believe in you that was really weak you need people who believe in you and you need lots of those people there's always people who will not believe in you. The world is full of people who don't believe in you. Thank God for people that say, we believe in God, we believe in you. We believe in the word of God for you. Those are called exhorters, and we're going to talk about what that looks like today. So open up your Bibles. We're going to jump from 1 Peter. We're going to go to um, Romans chapter 12. We're going to start reading in verse 3. But before I get to verse 3, this is going to help somebody out again. How I many you know context in the Bible is really important? Does anybody know what verses 1 and 2, Romans 12, 1 and 2, the refrigerator verses? Come on, you memorize them. What are they? Present your bodies as living. 
Sacrifice, pleasing and acceptable to the Lord. And that talks about being renewed in the way that you think so that you don't think like the world, but that you're able to transform your mind to think the way God thinks. Now, can I just share something else? Spiritual gifts are supernatural, which means they come from the Holy Spirit, which means if you are not living a consecrated life, you might be wondering why you don't know what your gifts are and why they don't seem to be operating and why nothing's happening. May I suggest to you that present yourself as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. Get rid of your stinking thinking and start to think the way God thinks about you and about your gift and about what is for and about his glory. And if you will become immersed in God, if you will develop a passion for Jesus, if you will develop a relationship with the Holy Spirit, guess what will happen more and more and more? The gift of God in you will begin to manifest in bigger and bigger ways. Can I just say that, you know, sometimes preachers are notorious for preaching against sin, but we don't preach for the greater life. You know, you'll you'll never get excited about sinning less. That's not a good goal. I just just want to be better. I just want to stop sinning. That's not motivation. Here's what's motivation. I want to know God. I, I want God to move through me. I want to see the glory of God. I want to see people touched. I want lives transformed. I want to be a part of I want my life to count. Therefore, I'm going to, I, therefore I want to quit sitting like that. Because it's always an invitation to something more, not to something less. It's not the big cosmic no. God always saying no, no, no. He's saying yes. Why are you messing with all that garbage? Why don't you come and join me? It's a much more exciting life. So God's always inviting us into the more. Let's look at the more right now. Let's look at this grace to speak. And let me just say this. I jumped ahead. Go ahead and just pop that verse up. I jumped ahead. Ephesians chapter 4. How many of you know everybody in this room has a mouth? Everybody has a mouth. So here's the deal. Whether or not you have a gift to speak, you all speak. And so the point is, we're going to talk about different gifts. It doesn't mean, well, I don't have that gift, therefore I'm not responsible to grow. No, we're all called to grow in lots of godly gifts. You with me? So look at at what this says. We could probably say amen after this verse and go home because it would be enough conviction for for the morning. Never let ugly, everybody say ugly. Ugly. Or hateful, everybody say hateful. hateful. Words come from your mouth. But instead, let your words become, isn't this pretty, beautiful gifts to encourage others and do this by speaking words of grace to help them. How many of you know that is, that word was spoken to everybody in this room? Wouldn't it be amazing if, if we just, what if you had one goal for the rest of your life was to live that verse? I mean, we could just, we could just put that one right there on the refrigerator. Let's make that my goal today. How many of you know that verse would absolutely transform you, if you as you began to live it out to be like How many of you know that verse would change your marriage? How many of you know that, that would change the favor of God on your life in the public arena if you lived that? So here's my point. If we could actually live that verse and our words were gifts that we gave to people that helped them and release grace, <laughs> what if you went to a church like that? What if we went to, what if Living Stones became that? I think this place would be so pregnant with the presence of God. Yes. We would see all kinds of crazy, 
Awesome God stuff happening in this place. Anybody got a vision with me for that? Lord Jesus, I pray right now, let this burn in our hearts in the way we talk with our kids, our spouse, the way we talk in general, the way we talk about our brothers and sisters. God, forgive us. And burn the realization of what this might look like into our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. All right, let's go to Romans 12. Let's read this together. Romans 12, verse 3. Because of the privilege and authority that God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Isn't it amazing that Paul starts off with a warning? Before he even talks about gifts, here's another warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourself, measuring yourselves by the faith that God has given us. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body, of which we're a part. We're many parts of one body. Here's the cool thing. We all belong to each other. This is not independence Paul's talking about. It's not dependence. It's interdependence, where we all come together, where we serve the needs of one another. Look at verse 6. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. Thank God we're not all the same. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy... Speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have the gift of showing kindness to others, do it gladly. What a great passage. Now there's several gifts in there, multiple gifts that it can really be broken down into the two categories we talked about. So I'm going to pull out four of them, which are primarily word gifts, all right? What are word gifts? Here's what word gifts do. They clarify the nature and the action and the purposes of God. So when people speak on God's behalf, what's coming out of our mouths? We're revealing something about who God is. We're revealing something about what God is up to or how God's moving or what God's doing. And then thirdly, we reveal the larger purposes of God. What is God's redemptive purpose in the earth today, and more specifically, even in our midst? So that's what word gifts do. I'm going to give you the first one here of four, and we're just going to work through these. I want to give you the passage. I want to kind of define it. I want to give you some characteristics, and here's my goal. I want you guys to listen well, because at the end, I'm going to ask you, how many of you were that gift? How many of you think you have this gift, all right? And here's what else I'm going to do. We're going to have some fun, because when you look at these gifts you're going to realize that some of them are diametrically opposed in the way they express themselves, which gives us the opportunity for frustration (laughs) with each other, which never happens in church, but you all get to just try to dream with me, all right? Let's talk about what it means to be prophetic or to be a perceiver. People with prophetic gifting are especially sensitive to perceiving the will of God and then proclaiming it. Notice the pattern here. They perceive it, they pray it, they proclaim it, and then they promote the heart of God for a given situation. Now, this is what I love about prophetic people, is they're asking questions like this. What is God feeling? What is God saying? What is God's heart right now? You know, we can read the Bible, and we can get general principles for all times, but how many of prophetic people bring us an understanding of what is God wanting to do like here now. How many of you know we serve the living God? He's not dead. He's the living God. How many of you know the Holy Spirit's still moving? And what I love about prophetic people is they are 
perceivers. They have their radar up, their antenna up. Y'all remember my dad used to talk about husbands, listen to your wives because they have an internal knower. What's that internal knower? Sometimes they don't know what that is, but they just know something ain't right. You don't know what I'm talking about. What is that? It, it, it goes beyond your brain, and it's really something that awakens in your spirit. There's been times when my wife has said, you know, I just, I just, I don't know, I just don't have peace about it. Anybody ever say that? I don't have peace about it. Well, you might not know why you don't have peace about it, but you just know inside in your knower you have a situation that, where there's not peace present. So that's called discernment. That's called perceiving. Um, and these folks care about Again, what is it that God is saying to us? What is on God's heart? And so sometimes on Sunday morning, and I don't do this to everybody, but here's the thing. As you, as you move in a gift, that gift becomes honed and developed, and it becomes solid and reputable. And so there are times when certain folks will come up to me, and they, they might have it, something they're sensing for Sunday morning corporate worship. And then my job is, after I hear what that is, my job, because... I, I'm the authority over the larger flow of the service. My job is, okay, is that for now? Is that for that person? Where does that fit in this service? Is it something for the whole body? That's how we have to try to interpret a prophetic word. But you've seen many times someone will come up here and say, hey, this is, I'm sensing God is saying this, or I'm sensing God wants to do this. And here's how you know it's a word from God. There is a bearing of witness in the hearts of the congregation who also know God and are full of the Holy Spirit. When it's a word from the Lord, people are going, oh, yes, uh-huh. And guess what else happens? There's a response that's, that's, uh, that happens. As opposed to the word I shared with you a few weeks ago about God flushing the toilet and we're all going to go down kind of thing. That wasn't what I shared. It was a bad example I shared from previous days when everybody goes, and there's a corporate groan. When there's a corporate groan, it probably was not the Holy Spirit. All right, just helping you guys out here, all right? So that's the nature of prophetic. Let's look at some characteristics. Prophetic people quickly identify that which is good and that which is evil. They hate evil. They hate injustice. They usually have a bold stand for righteousness. They grieve over sin. You know, there's different areas, different ways the prophetic is expressed. Some of you are not like intuitive feelers or sensors of what God's saying. Some of you just, when you see injustice, something goes off inside of you. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And so people that are like fighting for causes, they have a strong prophetic wiring because they cannot tolerate injustice or whatever, whatever that looks like. How many of you know all the reformers that you've ever seen had a prophetic gift on them because they said the status quo is not acceptable we must get back to God. We must get back to his ways. And what did they do? They, they spoke the word of the Lord. And they didn't, no one needed to figure out, well, what is he really saying? Because you know what? Prophetic people are not shy, and they're not diplomatic sometimes. Let me explain how they are. They see things in black and white, rights and wrongs, and so therefore, how many of you know when you know something is black, you don't need to wait on making a decision. You just know this is the course of action. Boom, we need to do this. Because they don't, there's, the world is not gray for these people. The world is very much black and white. Uh, and these are also people that often excel in prayer and intercession because they have an incredible sense of loving to be in God's presence, wanting to hear God's voice, wanting to know what God's will is. But here's the also another deal with these folks. Many times they're very honest, candid, straightforward, 
in their words. They tell it like it is, right? They're transparent, like you never have to wonder what they think, because they'll just tell you. And many times it's wise, it's good counsel. And here's another thing you understand. They're persuasive in their speech because they believe in their cause. How many of you know when, when a prophetic person latches a hold of something they believe is on God's heart, and you give them a microphone, they will win you over to that cause because there is no doubt they know beyond a shadow of a doubt it's a worthy cause and it's God's cause. And many times when you believe you're speaking for the Lord, you will put up with literally all hell against you because you, you believe in the, in the cause and you're committed to that cause. And so I'll just say this, without prophetic people, there would not be significant change in our culture. Without prophetic people, we would not be having people asking this question, what is it that God is saying and speaking right now? We need prophetic people to ask those kinds of questions. And I just want to say, I appreciate all of you that are sensitive to the Holy Spirit, all of you that feel the heart of God, all of you that care to even ask the question, what is on God's heart? Because the church needs prophetic voices, and the church and the world needs prophetic people. Now, again, I'm giving you a quick overview. We're going to get into the, the prophet, and we're going to get into the teacher when we talk about the, uh, Ephesians chapter 4 in the month of July. So I'm going to get into a little bit more depth. These people are also seers and feelers. Now, let me explain how this works. Those of you that are not prophetic, when I told you about the man that prophesied over us and that he said this, I see megaphones all around you. If you're in that room and you're not prophetic, you're going... You see what? I don't see any megaphones. It's because you're not prophetic. Because the gift of God's not working through you in that way. You know, when we encourage people at Encounter Weekends, some of you have been to Encounter Weekends, right? Who do we have ministering there? Well, we love prophetic people because what do they do? They lay their hands on you as we're praying for you. And we like to minister in teams. While one person's praying, the other person's just saying, Lord, what do you want to do in Ed's life? Lord, what do you, what do you want to say to Ed? And sometimes prophetic people will see a picture. God will just show them a picture of something. Sometimes prophetic people will have a single word, just one word. Sometimes prophetic people will just have a heart gush of encouragement. Sometimes prophetic people will see a megaphone, and, and, uh, and that's what God's saying. You're a megaphone. The point is this. If you are somebody that when you pray, you, the Lord gives you mental images or pictures um, or gives you wisdom or insight, sometimes you might just be in a room and you look at somebody and you're like, I know that person is really struggling right now with whatever. Well, where did that come from? came from the Holy Spirit. And why did he give it to you? So you can go serve that person, speak to that person, help that person. And then the Bible says, those of you that prophesy, prophesy according to your faith, because here's the other thing, it's scary. Lord, what do you want me to say to that person? I don't know that person. What if I'm wrong? Have any prophetic people ever had that go through your head? All right. So you prophesy according to your faith. You're, you're walking with God, and you're, and you're sharing what God's putting on your heart. I love the biblical example of John the Baptist. How I many you know John the Baptist, his lead foot was repent. He cared about holiness. He cared about righteousness. Repent. Um, he also went to the Herod, right, when Herod wanted to fool around with his brother's wife, and he said, hey, what you're doing is a sin against God. It cost John the Baptist his head. But here's what I want you to hear about prophets. They don't care. Because truth is more important than comfort. And hearing and speaking for God is more important than popularity. So many times prophetic people 
don't care about anything but hearing the Lord and speaking for God. How I many you know those people are valuable to the body of Christ? All right, let me go to the next one. Let's go to the teachers. The Bible says if you have the grace gift of teaching, then be actively teaching and training other people. Um, teachers have a supernatural ability to explain and apply the scriptures. They're people that God reveals amazing truth to, and then not only reveals it to them, but they have the ability to communicate it in a way when all of us go, aha, wow, that was so good. Wow, I'd never seen that before. I never connected those dots. How many of you have sat under good teaching before, and you've had those where you left going, man, that was so good. That was so rich. Teachers love to present truth in a logical, systematic way. You recognize a logical flow of thought. Teachers have stuff like this in their office. I, got all, I went and stole all signs from everybody's office today. This one's in my office. All right? Teachers love to read and study. They love books. They love them. They love the meaning of words. They love the details. Oh, come on. My idea of a vacation is put me on the beach somewhere with a stack of books and leave me alone, all right? My idea of a non-vacation is put me in my office with a stack of books and leave me, I'm just kidding, all right, I do like you all, but I do love, if you go in my office, you'll find there's very little wall space for books because I maxed it out. There's books in the bathroom in there in cases that won't fit. There's books at home in my basement, and I thank God for Kindle. There's gazillions of electronic books because teachers love to read, and they love to learn, and listen, they love ideas. And teachers, you know, all of you that are the prophetic types, and I can make fun of you because my wife is one, and uh, so I know, I know you all well. My wife and I will talk about, she'll, she'll, she's a feeler, she'll have heart gushes. Sometimes the, what she feels comes on so strong, she'll feel compassion, or she'll be praying, and this is, <laughs> explodes from her. You know what I'm talking about, because you are one. All right, and I'll be standing here as a teacher, and I'm going, what is that? <laughs> or she'll say, God is showing me this picture of a megaphone, and I'm like, Okay, what does that mean, what is it for, and what do I do with it? That's the kind of stuff teachers ask. Now, prophetic people don't care. They could care less. This is what God's showing me. I'm like, wow, that was powerful. But teachers want to know what, why, how, give me the details. And prophetic people see things in images, pictures, and sometimes they don't know the details. Their job is just to share it. So check this out. If I would get into a selfish teacher mode, I'd be going, we're shutting all that stuff down because that doesn't fit in a three-point outline right there. That ain't working. (laughs) And prophetic people are like, how many points? Just share your heart for God's sake. You know, because here's what happens with teachers. Teachers could be up here like this, you know. All right, um, point number four. All right, y'all there. All right. Oh, sorry. So, so here, here's the deal. Like when we go on the mission field together and she has to teach, I'm like, huh, what are you sensing? What, show me your notes, you know? And she's like, what notes? I'm, or she has like 50 gazillion pages of notes, and I'm like, there is no way you're going to unload all that in a 30-minute session. 
So I'm talking to her about bullet points, and then she's talking to me about, get away from your notes, move in the Holy Ghost, you know, woo. <laughs> and uh, I'm of you know, she makes me feel uncomfortable, and I make her feel uncomfortable, but the good news is we're better people because of it. Because we need teacher types, and we also need prophetic types. We need them all. You know, teachers love the truth. They love the Bible. Here's what teachers think. What could be more important for us to do at this church than just study the Bible? I mean, you know, an evangelist is saying, why are we sitting here studying the Bible? People are going to hell. And prophetic people are like, I know we can read the Bible. What's God doing now? And pastors are like, let's just go love somebody. And what you have is chaos because everybody's operating in the. Can I just show Everybody sees the world through your gift lens. If you're a teacher, you think everybody thinks like you. They don't. If you're a prophetic, you think everybody sees the world like you. They don't. And then you mix all the different degrees of gifting together, which means we're all absolutely unique, which means this. Nobody on planet Earth or even the cosmos sees things the way you do or I do, which is, can you see now why the Holy Spirit always has to say over and over again, love one another, submit to one another, honor one another, because we would kill each other. (laughs) Teachers tend to be more objective than subjective, more cognitive than intuitive, more fact-based than feeling-led, and so you can see where the collision would happen, all right? Let me just say this too. In your marriage, thank God your spouse is different than you. They balance you out, and they keep you from exploding in your gift. You know, they bring balance, and thank God, and we have to learn to see each other as incredible gifts from God. All right, Barnabas is a great example. I'm sorry, Apollos is a great example of a teacher. Mighty in word, eloquent, knows the scriptures, uh, uh, teaches others with enthusiasm and accuracy. Uh, he's a great example. All right, let's go to the exhorters. If you have the grace gift of encouragement, the Bible says use it. Here's a big difference between exhorters and teachers. Teachers will aim at your head. They want to fill your head with truth, truth about God, truth about his word. But an exhorter aims at your heart. And there's a big difference. You know, sometimes prophetic, truth-based people, they'll tell you the truth, but they kill you in the process because they forgot that you're a person and that you'd like to receive that truth in a little bit more bite-sized way that's edifying and encouraging, all right? And so teachers or exhorters have a passion to edify and encourage people. They love to see people live blessed, full lives. They love growing people. They love spiritual maturity. That's why when you get encouragers and exhorters around you, they're going to come right down on your level, and they're going to encourage you and be the biggest. Here's what I they're the They're the body of Christ's cheerleaders. Don't you need a personal cheerleader in your life? Whatever you do, you fall on your face. Someone's there going, yeah, get back up. I believe in you. See, prophets will say stuff like, repent. You're going to hell. You're going to die. Turn from your sin. And an exhorter will say, let me help you up. Because the prophets see things in black and white. Exhorters see things in shades of gray many times. Yes, you're a mess right now. But I'm going to be here with you. 
Yes, you're depressed right now, but let me point you to God's larger vision for your life. God's not done with you yet. God's not finished with you yet. You all get the point what I'm trying to say here. We need people to come alongside and lift us up and take us on the journey of growth. And encouragers love to help people mature. I just got to share something with you. How many of you remember back in the day, this was before some of your time, but back in the day, uh, of all the televangelist scandals that happened back in the 80s. Some of you remember the name Jim Baker, right? Of course, Jim Baker did some things wrong, ended up going to jail. His scandal, uh, you know, went, on, went international. So while he's sitting there in prison, I mean, he just wanted to die. He was depressed. He, you know, he felt like he obviously had failed God, failed the church, failed everybody. It was a low moment in his life. And let me show you the power of exhortation. When he's getting ready to get out of prison, there was not a big group there to cheer him on and to, you know, wave pom-poms and sing cheers and celebrate his life. In fact, nobody cared. They, in fact, most people could, could have cared less whether he rotted in prison forever. That was the kind of hatred towards that man, that ministry. But I want you to know something. On the day that he came out of prison, you know who was there for him? Ready for this? Billy Graham and the Franklin Graham and the Graham family. How many of you know Jim Baker's theology and... Billy Graham's theology are not the same. In fact, you could kind of put them pretty far apart. They weren't endorsing any of the mistakes that he made. What they were doing is saying, you know what? You're a brother in Christ. Your life is not over. They brought him clothes. They brought him money. And, ready for this? They said, you know what? We want you to worship with our family this Sunday. Could you imagine getting an invitation to Billy Graham's church and to sit next to Billy on the front row when everybody's already judged you and hates you and think that you got no hope and thinks you're worthless and God could ever use a scumbag like you. I mean, you know all this stuff. That, that, that was what was in people's heart. And Billy Graham, and then, check this out. Oh, by the way, too, after church, we would love to invite you to our house to sit at our table to have a meal with us. I mean, you know, that is an, that's an exhorter. That when you're at your lowest and everybody and their brother has given up on you, they haven't. They still see potential in you. I read a story of, of um, President Nixon when he, after Watergate when the whole universe hated him and when he felt like he had let his nation down, obviously. And again, same thing. Great depression over his life. His body was, uh, was feeling the effects of all the stress and everything. He was hospitalized. Uh, and again, if people care less, they wanted him to die. He, he, he was the object of such hate. And uh, the nurse in his room, in the hospital, on whatever floor, looked out the window and she said, oh my goodness. And she grabbed his bed and she wheeled that bed, wheeled that bed to the window. And I forget which ministry it was, but somebody had rented an airplane with the long banner on it that said, Mr. Nixon, we love you, and we forgive you. He said that was the turnaround of his whole life. Somebody rented an airplane. Are you kidding me? I wonder what spiritual gift they have. That's called exhortation. That's called encouragement. That's called being able to speak to people at their lowest and say, you know what? God's not done with you. And I'm not done with you, and we're committed to you, and we believe in you, and we love you, and we're not going to let you stay here, and there's going to be people around you, and, and that, we need people like that in our lives. In fact, let me just say this. 
if that's not your gift, just let's just ask for it right now. What do you guys say? Because <laughs> uh, let, let me tell you this. I'm all choked up now. I'm getting prophetic like my wife. Come on. <coughs> You're the best. All right, I had to be a little exhorter right there. If we could all just pray that God would allow us to not be so harsh with people, not beat people down, but understand, okay, where are they coming from? What's their life situation? What are they going through? Where have they been hurt? Um, How could I take the truth of God's word and apply it to them right in the situation that they're in right now? Instead of just casting people away, you know, sometimes I think in the church, we can be the, the most judgmental, the most harsh, the most critical. This should be a place where we believe the most in Jesus and what he wants to still do in people and that nobody is, you know, foregone. No, nobody's off the end of the pier. They can't be retrieved. Come on, everybody. Everybody's still a work in progress. Are you with me? Man, let's just ask the Lord for more of the gift of exhortation in our lives. What else have I got here? Oh, let's go to the last one. I stole this from Pastor Susie's office. How many of you know she's an action figure? She and Pastor Dick, action figures. That's why we have 30 people in the nations right now making history. Because Pastor Dick always says, why watch the news? Let's make the news. Which leads me to the last gift. Leadership and administration. I'm going to hit this really, really fast. Leadership and administration. Let me just say before that, Barnabas is the example of encouragement. Thank God Barnabas was there to encourage the Apostle Paul and to encourage the body of Christ. Where would, where would we be without the Apostle Paul uh, in the faith today? Thank God for Barnabas. Leaders and administrators. Leaders have the ability to see big picture, to see what, to see where. Some of you have had an administrative gifting along with that. You have the ability for implementation. You can bring out the how do we do it, how do we get it done. Um, Godly leaders, this is important. Godly leaders have to have a deep personal relationship with the Lord. Because how many of you know spiritual leadership is about hearing, first of all, what God is saying, and then doing what you see God wants done. So godly leaders have to have a relationship with Jesus that's real. They have to be submitted to the word of God. They have to be submitted to the Holy Spirit. But here's some of you, check this out. Some of you, if you have the gift of leadership, you found that you're just a born leader. Ever since you were little, if there was a leadership vacuum, you found yourself filling it. In fact, this is what leaders ask whenever they come into a room or a meeting. The first question they ask is, who's the leader? Because that's the way they're wired. Who's in charge? Who's, and if there's nobody in charge and you're a leader, then, then you go into default mode and you just start leading because that's how God's wired you. They love new challenges. Any of you love new challenges? They love responsibility. That's not a cuss word for them. They love it. How about this one? I can relate to this. They despise routine and repetitive work. If you're a leader, you want to create, you want to do new things, you want to build, you want to grow. And routine and repetitive work are are things that just kill you. They're excellent leaders. They're full of zeal and enthusiasm. They're visionaries. Um, They're good at allocating people and resources to accomplish goals. And again, some of you are just wired that way. Your way that you serve is by taking on responsibility and saying, what can I do to help? If there's, a, if there's a ministry that needs somebody to lead it, you'll say, hey, if I can help. You know, I just want to say that about Pastor Andrew. There's been so many times in the life of this ministry when we had major needs, and sometimes it wasn't necessarily his lead foot, but listen, because he's a leader with a heart after God and a heart after his leader, 
So many times he said, hey, I'll, I'll handle that. I'll take care of that. You don't even need to think about it. In fact, some of you with administrative gifts, that's what you do best is you take the details off of your leader's mind and heart so that they can lead and see big picture and other people are good at implementing the details. Some of you are that way. Uh, but that's all under the broad category of leadership. And some of you, again, if that's on your life, I just want to encourage you. We have to get out of the, uh, the place of thinking that all of these gifts are just for expression right here on Sunday morning. How many of you know that's not, that's not it? If, if you're looking to communicate on Sunday morning and you've got a passion to communicate, I'm just saying that this is not the right platform for that. But if you're a natural leader, where will you be leading? Your family, at work? How about this? If you're prophetic, you know, sometimes people think they're prophetic. All they do is have a prophetic word in church. Why just waste it on us? You think God doesn't want to speak to you about people out there? What about people at your workplace that don't know the Lord? What about people that are hurting? What about people that are lost far from God? How about you ask the Lord to speak to your heart about those people? Here's what I find about prophetic people. When they enter a, a room or a, an office or something like that, this is what they're asking. Lord, what are you wanting to do in this room right now? Isn't that a good question? How many of you know God's always at work? He's always looking for somebody he can work through. So you just ask this question, Lord, what are you wanting to do here? If you're an exhorter, you come in and say, Lord, who needs encouraging in this place? And what are you doing? You're looking around at people's faces. See some long faces, you encourage them. You see some smiling faces? Hey, hey, what are you looking? But you're, dis- you're discerning who needs encouragement in this place? Who needs, who needs to be lifted up? And, and guess what you do? You text people. You call people. You leave sticky notes for people. You, you rent airplanes for people. There's all kinds of cool stuff we can do. But that's what encouragers do. They, they buy gifts for people. There's a myriad of ways that you can express this. If you're a teacher, what do you do? Find a place where you can share your heart with people, where you could share. Start in your home. Life group leaders. I mean, there's all kinds of opportunities for people that love to teach, to teach. <laughs> but you've got to discover your gift. You've got to submit it. You've got to flow. You've got to look to exercise it. You've got to look to get better. Uh, and then you got to look to connect together with the body of Christ to let that anointing flow off of our lives. Amen? So let me ask you this. If you're, if you're a, I'm going to close right now. <clears throat> if you're a voice, a mouthpiece, a megaphone, I want you to stand up right where you're at, all right? You recognize that's, that's part of who you are. Don't be shy. We're going to pray. Thank you, Rose. Come on. I'm going to go grab my megaphone. I'm going to be prophetic right now. All right, now all of you that are hands, uh, you're a hand, all right? We're going to talk about you next week. I want you to stand up, and if you're around a mouth, I want you to lay your hands, not on their mouth, but on their back, all right? (laughs) We're going to pray for them. And all I'm going to do is I'm going to take the prophetic word, and I'm just going to say we're going to hand out some megaphones in this place, all right? And I want you to get one today, all right? You're going to get one. We're being very prophetic right now. We're uh, We're talking about the mouth gifts here. I'm being prophetic. We're going to reach out and grab a hold of a megaphone. Are you with me? All right, some of you are not prophetic people. I can tell by that response. All right. But we're going to grab some megaphones today, and we're going to say, Lord, let this place, and, let, and I, here's what I want you to say for yourself. Lord, I give my mouth and my voice to you. I want you, God, to use me to be a blessing, all right? And there's all the different mixtures of what each of us looks like, but the key thing is we're going to let God use our mouths for a blessing. So Lord, I lift this megaphone up just prophetically. I thank you for your word over us, over living stones, over Marion and I. Lord, we want to start distributing even this morning. 
these megaphones, in the Spirit. Lord, thank you for the voices that are coming out of this place. Voices of reformation. Voices of compassion. Voices of truth. Voices of encouragement. God, all the different ways that you express your, your voice to us. Lord, people that can discern your heart, teach your word, bring others to life and to spiritual maturity. Lead, Lord, and move us in the direction that you're taking us as a church. Lord God, we ask you to increase that anointing of speaking, the grace of speaking over this place. And Lord, I thank you you're doing it right now. Just receive it from the Lord. Just thank God he's given you a voice. Thank God uh, that he's given you an opportunity to use that. And just ask him to anoint your tongue, that he would anoint your mind to discern what he's saying, anoint your heart to communicate what he wants to say. Lord, we just receive an anointing now to be a mouthpiece of yours in the earth today. Thank you for the myriad of gifts, Lord, that are standing right now. And I pray blessing on them. Increase Increase, increase the gifting, God. We're hungry for more. We want more of you. God, we, all the gifts we talked about today, God, we want more. We want to be able to lead and serve better. So help us, we pray. And I just say this this morning, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, or you're here today and you just need some personal ministry, our team will be up front here. If you're here today and you've been new to the church, don't forget, I'm going to pray and then I'm going to head straight to my office with some of our team. We want to connect with you, so don't leave. Uh, without connecting with us. Father, bless us now as we go our separate ways. Thank you for the gathering today, Lord. Thanks for being right here in the midst of us. Now use us mightily as we leave this place. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen, amen. All right, we love you. Have a super day. Don't forget, if you need prayer, come on down.